George. Radio St. George at 100.3 FM. And we welcome you to the Extraordinary Talk Show, a show to help you understand yourself and the world from a new perspective. And in the process, help you find your own personal extraordinary. And now your host for the Extraordinary Talk Show, Della Hill. Hello, everybody. Happy Monday once again. Welcome to the end of November. Christmas is... Are we at 25 days away? Wow. I love Christmas and I want to talk to you a little bit about Christmas today. But first, what I want to talk to you about today is basically the question of do you know what you think you know? We all have a million opinions. And some of those opinions are based on nothing more than our own thought process. Some of those opinions are based on research and understanding and application of our own thought process. Some things are really, really well thought out and well understood. Other things, our opinions, our thoughts, or our actions and behaviors are simply programmed. These are things that were programmed into us in our first probably seven, eight years of our lives to do these things, to act this way, to think this way, to see things from a certain perspective and through your own special filter. Everybody else has their own special filter too. And if somebody else grew up in the same home that you grew up in, grew up the same way you grew up, they might have a similar filter, but it's still not going to be the same. Now, if you interact with somebody who grew up in a different part of the world than you did and had a very different family style growing up than you did, then their filter is going to be very different from your own. It can be amazing to have conversations with people like this because you get to learn so much if you are open-minded and willing to learn. The problem that many of us have is when it comes down to an opinion that we already have, our confirmation bias defends that opinion within our own selves and in our own head against other different opinions or ideas about the same topic. So let's say you meet somebody from Bangladesh and you've never been to Bangladesh. You might be very open-minded and want to know everything about what it's like to live or visit there. However, that's mostly because you've never been there, so you're very open-minded. You have no opinions about that yet. If you meet from someone from Bangladesh and you've been there, you may already have some opinions about what that's like. And their input might not jive with you as well because it might contradict or counteract some of the ideas and thoughts that you already have, in which case it is our normal automatic human response to activate our confirmation bias and defend our own thoughts, our own opinion. If we have actually taken the time to think through why we feel this way, why we do this, why we think this way, it's often very easy for us, one, to defend our idea, but two, if somebody else has other input or opinions and ideas about that, we tend to get very defensive, sometimes a little defensive, sometimes a lot defensive, in order to defend our opinion, our thought, because we want to be right. If you admit that you're wrong, you might not be as strong, powerful, and smart as you thought you were or as that you wanted to present yourself as being. Most of us, truthfully, don't actually think that we're that awesome, but we want other people to think that we are. We want to portray ourselves in that manner. The problem with the whole confirmation bias idea 
is somebody else knows more than you about that thing. I guarantee it. I don't care what the topic is and how many hours you've spent studying or acting in that thing, in that profession, idea, concept, theology, whatever it is, somebody else knows more about it than you do and you can learn from them. However, you can only learn from them if you are willing to learn. If you're open-minded and willing to say, maybe I don't actually know everything that there is to know about this topic. Maybe it would be worth having a beneficial, positive, open-minded, open-eared conversation so that I can learn more. And maybe if I learn more information, ideas about this thing, it might actually educate me more and allow me to evolve my opinion and idea on the thing to something better, to something more true, to something more fact-based. And I don't know about you guys, but I want that. I want to know what the truth is. And one thing that's very important to me is truth must agree with itself. If I learn one topic that I believe or idea that I believe to be relatively true, and then I learn another one, those things have to agree with themselves if they're both going to be true. And I love to hear other people's ideas and experiences to see what pieces of what I already think and believe match with what they're offering me. And maybe it will confirm what I think and believe. And maybe it will encourage me to change my thoughts, to realize I don't know everything, that there's more information. And when you get that, it might change how you think and feel. Also, one thing I did as a little kid, I remember arguing with other kids and my siblings and being proven wrong. And as a child, probably seven, eight years old, I hated having the truth pushed in my face and having to admit I was wrong. And so I, very early on, held back from expressing my opinion until I was pretty sure it was a good opinion. And I think that that's something that has served me, not always, but generally it has because it allows me to consider more options and think about something deeper before I give a flash opinion on something which helps me to learn more and better. Now, here's an example of something that you may be doing, may have done your entire life without really knowing the reasons why you're doing it. And I talked a lot about rules. Rules are BS rules that we have in our lives that we follow in our lives just because because somebody else told us to, because it's how our mom and dad did it when we were growing up, because it seemed to work better than some other way. So we just do that without really knowing the reason why. And some of these things can serve you beautifully. You can follow a path that your parents perhaps set up for you, and it might be exactly what is right for you in your life. Or it might be that you're just following what everybody else is doing because everybody else is doing it, and it's not actually the best action and process for you. This is why it's so valuable to me to consider in my life, what rules am I living? What rules am I following just because somebody else suggested it to me that way, or that's how I was taught to do it, and it never occurred to me to do it any other way? When it comes to Christmas, and I love Christmas. Christmas is my favorite holiday. I love the music. I love the lights. I love the spirit. I love the treats. I love saying Merry Christmas or Happy Holidays to people 
in the streets or in the stores. I love Christmas. But a few years ago, I wondered why do we celebrate Christmas the way that we way we do? There's got to be some reason to this because for the life of me, I couldn't figure out what a pine tree in my living room had to do with Jesus's birthday. So I did a little bit of research and I found some really interesting things. Back a few hundred years ago, the Catholic Church was heavily trying to convert pagans. The paganism was the biggest theology of the time. The Catholics wanted those pagans in their church and tried to talk with them to figure out what it would take to convert them. The pagans, however, were very resistant to becoming Christians and joining this church. And one reason, they had one really good reason why this was very difficult for them. And it might be the same reason that many people today are hesitant to join a religion such as Jehovah's Witnesses. Because we like to celebrate our birthdays and holidays and other activities. We love those things. They're part of our tradition. They're part of our life. And we hold strong to them. And we don't want to give those up over a new theology. This was how the pagans were too. The pagans had many traditions, many ideas and beliefs, habits and routines, that rituals that they kept. And they were unwilling to give up their holidays in order to join the Catholic Church. So the Catholic Church had to get creative. The Catholic Church had to figure out how to allow the pagans to keep their rituals and also become Christians at the same time. The pagans had a special ritual at winter solstice. This, they believed, was the death and rebirth of the sun god. This is when it's the longest day of the entire, or the shortest day, longest night of the entire year. And they believed, this is the very, very simple abbreviated explanation. Please look it up if you want more details. They believed that this was the death of the sun god and that three days later, So dying on the 22nd and three days later on the 25th would be reborn. This was a holiday that they celebrated and it was very important to them. Some of the parts of this holiday, you got to understand pagans, one of the most important things to pagans is fertility. Anything that expresses life, that shows long life. Now you probably know that one reason we have Christmas trees and use green pine trees is because they're evergreen. They stay green all year round. This was a symbol to the pagans of health and vitality and fertility, that the tree stayed green all year round and didn't die and shed its leaves. So pagans really liked pine trees for that. There's another reason pagans really liked pine trees, because pine tree pagans, as I've said, were very into fertility. They valued fertility very highly. And as such, they valued male sexuality and female sexuality. These things were important, and they loved symbols of those things. A pine tree to the pagans was a symbol of male sexuality. If you've read some of Dan Brown's books or done any of your own research, you might have learned that historically, a triangle with the point up represents male, and a triangle with the point down represents female. They even call that the chalice or the cup. It's talked a lot about in the Da Vinci Code. So consider a triangle with the point up, especially a tall, big one that stays green all year round, is a tremendous fertility symbol for the pagans. 
the reason you have a Christmas tree in your living room is because the Catholics encouraged the pagans to keep that symbol of fertility and use it to, instead of celebrating the birth of the sun god, use that big green male fertility to celebrate the birth of the sun of God. Do you see that switch? Death and birth of, rebirth of the sun god or birth of the son of God, because we all know that Jesus was not born in December. We kind of think it was more around April-ish, more closer to when Easter is. And if you want to talk about Easter, this was another holiday that the pagans were able to keep as they adapted into Christianity. What do you think (laughs) bunny rabbits and eggs have to do with Jesus being resurrected? Easter bunnies and eggs represent fertility. You've heard the term multiplying like rabbits. And an egg is also obviously a representation of fertility and new life. These were symbols that the pagans loved that were very valuable. We celebrate and use traditions in our American Christian Christmas celebration that are actually fertility symbols from the pagans. Now, you might even consider that big, beautiful green male fertility symbol that you now have decorated with with bright lights and colors in your living room. The question is, do you know why you're doing the things that you're doing? When it comes to the Christmas tree, I found a way to install an O-ring in my ceiling and hang my Christmas tree upside down so instead of the triangle The point of the triangle being at the top, which would make it a male symbol. The point of the triangle is instead at the bottom, which makes it a female symbol. And that's how I took what I now understood about something I've been doing my whole life a certain way, just because that's the way I was taught. That's what everybody else did. Understanding why we do those things and adjusting it so it suits me. I'm not giving up my Christmas tree. I love my Christmas tree, but I'm going to do it my way which is hang it upside down from the ceiling so it's a female representation instead of a male representation. And that's how I make it unique to me. Please make your Christmas tree as unique to you and your family and your traditions as you can. And the point about that is realize that even though we celebrate these things, we use these things to celebrate because they're pagan symbols, you can make it unique to you and yours. The idea is to do it with intention, not to float along doing something because everybody else does, not to float along down the stream because it's the easiest way to go, but to realize why are you doing the things that you're doing? Do you know what you think you know about the things that you're doing? And would you be better off if you learned more? There's always something more to learn. I don't care what it is that you're studying, what it is that you're interested in. There's always something more to learn and there's always someone smarter than you. And the more open-minded you are to being able to hear what they have to say, to being able to listen, open-minded, and consider your own thoughts as malleable, not as rock steady that must stand firm regardless of whatever, but that can be affected by learning new information, 
and new truth. To me, it's not enough to be pretty sure about most things or to have a lot of things that don't fit together. To me, when I'm looking at the truths of the universe, I want these things to fit together. Truth must agree with itself. And if this piece doesn't agree with this piece, then something's off and I don't know the full truth yet. Even if they do agree, there's still more that I can learn about that. Now, I love studying the laws of the universe. Perhaps you love studying political science. Perhaps you love studying social science. Whatever it is that you are interested in studying, please remember that within that as well, truth must agree with itself. And if it is your desire to become the smartest, to become an expert in your field, to teach, preach, act, live, whatever, the best possible way in that, I encourage you to gain an understanding of why you do the things that you do, why you think the things that you think. Be willing to compare pieces of what you think you understand to see if they hold up against each other. Any good truth can back up to a little bit of questioning. And that means if somebody else comes to you and says, hey, I know you feel this way, and I wonder why, because I see it this and this way, what do you think about that? If you are unable to come up with honest, reasonable answers, maybe not even in the moment, because sometimes you need a little bit of time to think about them. I do. I'm a slow thinker. I'm a deep thinker, but I'm a slow thinker. And very often when a new idea is presented to me, I cannot process and try to fit all my puzzle pieces together right in that moment. I have to take it home. I have to do a little bit more study. I have to do some contemplation and consider how does this new piece of information compare with the foundation of information that I've been acting from. We see too many people today arguing. When you go on social media and you read the arguments, there's zero accomplished in any form. There's nothing helpful. The reason that we like to have those arguments, we think, is to help other people understand better. They're clearly wrong, right? But actually, the reason that we like to have those arguments is to prove ourselves right. That's why we like them. You're not having that argument so that you can listen to what somebody else on Twitter has to say. Most of the time, if you're posting an argumentative response, comment, statement, post on social media, you are unwilling to hear somebody else's response and input. Perhaps you are, and if you are, good, and if you're not, please do that more. But look at the conversations that you're having. Look at the arguments that you're having. Look at the discussions that you're having. Are you learning from them, or are they just making you angry? It's up to you to allow yourself to be educated. We love to prove ourselves right. And we'll do that by making anything up that makes us sound smart if we get pushed to it. But the thing is, I want to be proven right because I actually know what's right. Not because I managed to make a great argument in a Facebook post, but because I actually know what's right and so I can report and tell you what is right. And even if I don't have an opinion on it, I might be able to tell you information that I have 
that I have yet not yet made a solid opinion on because the information that I have is not adequate information to form a decisive opinion on. Are there things that you are pretty sure about, but you actually don't have all the information in order to make a decision on that thing? I remember a friend once a few years ago talking to me about something that they were very upset about, and I don't remember what the topic was, and they said, don't you think that's messed up? And I kind of shrugged and I said, well, I'm guessing that there's more to the story. And until I know the other side of the story, it's hard for me to make a judgment about whether or not that's messed up. And my friend got a little bit frustrated with me. What are you talking about? You have this evidence. You've seen this and this and this. You should know from those things that this is a messed up situation. But I didn't. There's always more to the story. There's always more that you don't know. There are very, very few people in this world today who actually consider themselves evil, who actually consider themselves as villains. The vast, 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 overwhelming majority of people are just trying to do the best they have with what they have. And if there are two sides fighting, the people on each of those sides believe that they're right believe that what they have is worth fighting for. Maybe they're both right. They must both be right. When you look at the arguments, whether it's a Twitter argument or whether it's countries going to war, everybody has good reasons for the things that they do. If we could have a greater understanding of why other people do the things that they do, we would have a more compassionate world we would have more understanding. Very often when you read those arguments, I often notice that people agree with each other 75, 80% of the time, but the 20% that they don't agree is what they tear each other apart over. Do you understand that we are more alike than we are different? Do you understand that we have more in common than we have different from each other? Every single one of us is just trying to do the best we can with what we have. And there's times that doing the best I had, best I could with what I had, I fell short. And maybe a different decision, a different something might have made it different as it was. I did what I thought was best with what I had and I fell short. And because I've had that happen, not once, not twice, but many, many, many times, I think I can be a little bit more compassionate and understanding to other people when I see them fall short. They might fall short in different ways than I did. They might even fall fall short in ways that I would never fall short because I have those things wrapped up and tight in my life. But there's other areas of my life that are not wrapped up and tight. And maybe I need their help for, for that. Ask yourself, if especially when it comes to something that you want to defend, when it comes to an argument that you have, something that you feel really passionate and powerful about, how sure are you that you're actually right? And have you ever had a really big thing in your life that you were sure about, 110% sure about, and you got something thrown in your face that proved you wrong? You have to have had that happen. If you're an adult in America, you have to have had that happen. Most of us many, many, many times. I don't like that. From the time I was a kid, I don't like that. I would rather be open-minded, educating myself, and not have 
a set opinion than have an incorrect opinion. You don't have to have an opinion about everything. You don't have to know how everything is the way it is. When your kids ask you, why is this this way? You don't have to have the answer. It's okay to not know. I would rather not know than pretend that I know when I don't. I would rather not know than act like I know when I only have a portion of the information to truly make a judgment on. And that brings us to the question, are we ever going to have all the information? That's a really good question. When it comes to making those decisions and forming those opinions, do you ever really have all of the information? And if you don't, is it really truly fair to make a judgment? You don't know why that thing is the way it is. And when you acknowledge that, you have to realize that it's unfair for you to make judgments about things, people, situations, when you don't have all the information. This is something I try to remind myself often. When I make a judgment about something, and we all do make those snap decisions, fine, that's what you're trained to do. After you make that snap decision, that snap judgment, that's when you stop yourself and say, hang on, I don't have all the information here. Not everything is either good or bad until we decide it is. I am Della with The Extraordinary Talk Show, and my outro music is going, so I'm going to tell you all Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays. Please enjoy your Christmas tree in whatever way you find appropriate. I'll see you next week. You've been listening to The Extraordinary Talk Show with Della Hill. Search YouTube and Facebook, Spotify, or Podbean for video and podcasts of this show. Or go to RadioStGeorge.com. We'll see you next week for another edition of The Extraordinary Talk Show.